Blog Talk Radio.
just you and me here now.
back to another edition of Prayer International Radio. My name is Chris Herzog. I'll be your host tonight. Just uh, taking some time, as usual, to worship the Lord. You know, we want to make that first and foremost. You know, our first fruits offering unto the Lord is to just glorify Him, honor Him, acknowledge Him, thank Him, give Him the praise that's due His name. 
So as we get started, I just want to let you know if you need to go to the website, it's www.prayerinternational.org. You can send in your prayer request or comments at prayer at prayerinternational.org. That's our email address. And if you want to call in, the call in number is 619-638-8458. So uh, we're back. This is the first broadcast we've had since the 4th of July, so we just want to wish everybody happy independence, happy freedom, as we're celebrating here in the continental United States, just glorifying God for the freedom that we have, not only in our nation, not only in our country, but in Christ. The Bible says, he who is free is free indeed. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. And we just thank God for the blood of Christ that was shed for our sins and his atonement that was made, the sacrifice that was made for us to have that liberty and have that freedom in him. So, Father, tonight we just come before you, Father, and we just thank you for your goodness. We just ask, Lord, that you would have your way on the broadcast tonight. Lord, you would speak to the hearts of men and women. Father, we pray your will be done and your kingdom come. That, Father, not our plans, not our purposes, not our messages, but, Father, you would have your way tonight, Lord, and speak, Lord, to exactly what you want to speak to people. So we just give you praise, Lord, and we just glorify you. We just thank you for your goodness. We just thank you for your goodness. So thank you, Father, for everything that you're doing tonight and everything that you are. Lord, we just ask, Lord, open up our ears, open up our spiritual ears, and give us hearts to obey your word. We just ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, as we get started tonight, just want to uh, get into the Word of God, just share some scripture. You know, uh, I've it's been in my heart to just really talk about this subject of obedience. You know, Jesus himself said that man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And you know what that means is we need to always be watching and waiting and and be yielded and open to what God is not only speaking to us through the Holy Bible, through the Word, but be yielded and open to what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do on a daily basis. You know, obedience is the only thing that God has ever required of man. There's one thing that God requires, and that's obedience. You know, the Holy Spirit is the only person you're ever expected to obey you know, it's he, he that does the speaking, the Spirit of Christ, or we, we call him the Holy Spirit. You know, the God the Father is in heaven on his throne. Jesus Christ has already come to earth and left, and, and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But to and fro throughout the earth, the Holy Spirit is moving, and he is speaking on a regular basis to his children, to his sons and his daughters. And it's his voice. It's 
his voice. That's the voice that you're required to obey. But so you know, we're going to talk tonight about the subject of obedience. We've been on that subject a little bit, so we'll sort of bounce back and forth a little bit between obedience, disobedience, and just contrast the two and just see what God has to say. And, you know, I may quote and some scripture. I may paraphrase some scripture. I may read straight out of the Bible, probably a little bit of all three of those. Um, but, you know, it's a four-letter word that sometimes we take so lightly. But obey. The Bible says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And it's one thing to be willing. It's one thing to want to do the will of God. It's another thing to desire and have a desire to do the will of God. It's another thing to have the discipline and the determination in your heart to actually do and put it into practice. But in speaking about obedience, I just want to give you a couple nuggets of thoughts as I've been in my study about this tonight and actually for the last couple of weeks it's been a subject that's just been stirring over in my spirit. Now, in, in talking about obedience, just want to touch base about a few things. But think about this. You know, a quote that I've heard from a man of God, it was this, God's only pain is to be doubted, but his only pleasure is to be believed. And what that saying is this, is that God desires for us to take him at his word. God actually gets pleasure in his sons and his daughters trusting in, believing, relying on him in a real way, but that it actually hurts him. It's a painful thing for him to be doubted when we disobey, when we don't listen, when we ignore him. It's actually a painful thing to God. So listen to this. Each act of obedience in your life will shorten the distance to any miracle you're pursuing. If you're pursuing miracles, if you're looking for God to do a miracle in your life, if you ask God for something, you can believe that he's going to give you an instruction. You can believe that if you're seeking and pursuing God on a certain subject or a certain thing that you're uh, believing him for, he's going to give you some type of instruction to obey. He's going to give you a word and expect you to follow through with it. That's the way he is, constantly from Genesis to Revelation. We can see how God speaks and leads and instructs men and women of God. You know, your reaction to the Word of God is a picture of your respect for God. However you respond to the words that God speaks, however you respond to the Holy Bible, however you respond to truth, is really just a picture of how much you actually respect God. Jesus said it like this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love him, you'll keep his commandments. If you love him, you'll do what he says. 
If you'll love him, you'll obey him. Sometimes we call that, many of us like to call that legalism. You know, the Lord spoke this to me one night just after my wife and I had gotten married and we were staying with some friends of ours, waiting on a house, similar to the season that we're in now. And the Lord said this. He said, Chris, why do you call legalism what I call love? Why do you look at others and and call them legalistic because of the things that they sacrificed for me and the things they choose to give up for me when they're doing it from a heart of love? Because they love me, they want to keep my commandments. Now, yes, it's true. There is a a legalism. There is a, a motion of religion and a thing we can get caught up in where we're not doing it from the heart, but we're doing it to please man. We're doing it to please people. It's not something that's on the inside of us that God is motivating us to do. And that could be viewed two ways. One, maybe we need to get more in tune with God and and figure out what he's telling us to do. Or maybe we need to get away from the performance for man and out of a pure heart obey God whether people are watching us or not. But obedience, God says, is better than sacrifice. To hearken, to listen, is better than the fat of rams. What does that mean when we see that in Second Samuel? What does that actually mean? What he's saying is, look, you can worship me, you can go to church, you can go through the motions of religion, you can go through all these things all you want, but the bottom line is obedience is better than sacrifice. I'd rather you obey me. I'd rather you do what you, you are told than to go through this religious charade. And for many people, for many of us, we all go through that where where Christianity takes on the form of churchianity. And there's nothing wrong with going to church. There's nothing wrong with going to house churches or corporate worship services and buildings. There's nothing wrong with getting together and fellowshipping and, and assembling with other saints. The Lord says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. But what is wrong is that when you get so caught up in all that stuff, but yet you can't obey God, you can't follow God, you can't follow the leadings of the Lord in your own life, and God equates that to modern-day Pharisees. God says, I'd rather have obedience than, than the parade and the charade. I'd rather have obedience than the sacrifice. And back then, sacrifices were uh, going through the motion of what God had said to do to make atonement. We're not talking about sacrificing what you're going to give up for God. Although if you're going to fast and, and, and pray and give up things for God, you better make sure that you're at least doing what he's telling you to do. Otherwise, that too can become a form of religion. You know, God will never advance you. He'll never bring you past your last act of disobedience. If you're wondering why things in your life aren't working out, go back to the last time you heard the Lord speak and you made a conscious choice not to obey him. A lot of times we can trace 
our season, we can trace our circumstance and our trials solely and strictly upon the fact that we disobeyed the Lord. Somewhere down the line, we chose not to do what God said to do. And from that point forward, it created heartache, it created confusion, it created trials, it took away our peace, it created a circumstance in our life that got us off track. And in the midst of that, instead of running to God and repenting and seeking God and finding out what God wants us to do, a lot of times we will just continue to walk down that beaten path, getting further and further and further away from the purposes of God. So in talking about obedience, we need to realize that there's such a thing as disobedience, And disobedience, obviously, obedience is obeying God and doing what God says to do. And obedience is, or disobedience is ignoring God and doing just the opposite or doing not what God says to do. Disobedience is always going to be more costly than obedience. We think that if we obey God, it's going to cost us something, and most of the time it does. There's a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost to following and being a disciple of Christ. But I can tell you, disobedience is going to cost a lot more. I've found that to be true in my life. My wife will tell you, we've learned some things through obedience, and we've learned some things through disobedience. And the things that we learned through obedience were a lot more joyous and a lot more blessed than the hardships and the hard times that we learned things through disobedience and doing things against what the Lord has said to do. And I believe for anybody, you'll find that to be true in your own life, that disobedience is more costly than obedience. So I'm going to read to you from... I guess we'll get into Numbers... Chapter 2021. Going to read to you an account of Moses. I share this. We did a Shabbat service. And in case you don't know what a Shabbat service is, it's basically a gathering. You know, God says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And the Jews would celebrate the Sabbath from the time that the sun went down on a Friday, or what we call Friday. When the sun goes down on Friday till the sun goes down on Saturday, that was considered Sabbath. Now, God's instruction, God's command was to keep it holy and to remember him, to honor him. And in the Jewish tradition, the tradition was to light the candles, pray, eat, and celebrate God around the dinner table. And then begin to read the Torah portion and and meditate and pray and seek the Lord. And that's the way this was started. And this is something that's done still in Messianic groups, which are Jewish believers that believe in Christ. This is done in Orthodox and conservative groups of Jews that, that do not believe that Christ is the Messiah. Not yet, anyways. 
So I was sharing at this Shabbat service last week, and the Torah portion was so uh, fitly, it was so in tune, it fit the mold when talking about obedience. And I'm not going to share all of it because I shared quite a bit last week. But I shared Numbers chapter 20, and we'll go through 7 through 13. And just share that little bit. He says, the Lord speaks to Moses, and this is what he says. God gives him a commandment. God gives him an instruction. God speaks to him, and this is what he says. He says, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, take the rod and gather the assembly together. Gather Aaron, your brother, and speak unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and shall bring forth to them water out of the rock. So you shall give the congregation and their beasts drink. Verse 9, And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, you rebels. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand with his rod and smote the rock. He struck the rock twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, Because you believed me not, sanctify me. You didn't sanctify, you weren't consecrated, you, you didn't act holy and trust me or believe me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. And this is the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and he was sanctified in them. Now what's the saying? Here Moses was crying out to God with Aaron on their faces, a few verses before that, it talked about the fact that they went into the temple and they got on their faces. They began to cry out to God because the children of Israel, millions of the children of Israel and their their children, men and women and their children and their animals, none, there was no water to drink. And here they are in the middle of the desert. And they're 40 years into this walk. Now, 40 years prior to this, they came into a similar situation where they had no water to drink. God told Moses to strike the rock. And when he struck the rock, water began to flow. Well, now here they are. They've gone 40 years and they've come back to the same place in the desert. And once again, they're in the same place, but yet they have no water to drink. And so God says to Moses, speak to the rock, and I'll make sure the children of Israel have plenty to, to drink. Well, right before this, the children of Israel were murmuring and complaining and telling Moses, what, did you bring us out here in the middle of the desert just to die? Did God bring us out to the middle of the desert to die? And how many times in our life do we murmur and complain and we say, did God just bring us to this place? Just so that things can fall apart in our lives? Did God just bring us here to die? Everything's going wrong. Does God not love me anymore? You know, we go through these scenarios. All of us do. And so here's Moses, the pastor, the leader, the, the shepherd of these people, and he's listening to their complaints. 
And so he's getting a little angry. He's getting a little perturbed at it because he, here on one end he's got the children of Israel complaining, and on the other end he's got God telling him these instructions. So he goes forth before the children. He says, you rebels. And he strikes the rock twice. Now God in his goodness caused water to flow out of this rock anyway. And the children of Israel were uh, fed the water. The men, the women, the children, the animals, they all got to drink. And it quenched their thirst. They didn't die of starvation, die of thirst. But God came to Moses and he said, look, how come you weren't in faith? How come you weren't consecrated in this? You weren't holy in this. You did not obey me in what I told you. I never told you to hit the rock. I told you to speak to the rock. And because you didn't speak to the rock, you're not going to enter into the promised land. So shortly after this, Aaron actually dies, and he doesn't get to enter in. Later on, Moses dies. He doesn't get to enter in into the promised land either. It was Joshua that takes them into the promised land. See, these men of God forfeited the blessings of God because they refused to obey. Now, the Bible says if you be willing and obedient, obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You see, disobedience will cost you more than obedience. When you ignore God, you schedule a tragedy in your life. Whenever you ignore the word of the Lord, whenever you ignore the instruction of God, you schedule a tragedy in your life. Guarantee it. Just like Moses, just like Aaron, just like King Saul, just like Peter. And the list goes on. We can go on and on and on. We need to understand the will of God's an attitude. It's not necessarily a place, but it's an attitude in your mind. It's an attitude in your thinking that says, I will obey God. I'm going to do what God says to do. Lord, not my will be done. Thy will be done. And yesterday's disobedience, listen, the waves of yesterday's disobedience are going to splash on the shores of tomorrow for a season. Whenever you disobey God, you're going to feel it in the next season of your life. The Bible says a man reaps what he sows. So don't mock God. God won't be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. So we need to realize that God is calling his people to a place of obedience. God is calling his people to listen. He says, man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. James says, don't just be a hearer of those words, but be a doer. Do what you hear. supposed to do what we hear. You know, wasn't it Jesus that said, look, there was two men, and in each man, each man built a house. One built his house on sinking sand. The other built his house on a solid foundation, on a rock. And when the winds and the waves came, the house that was built on the rock stood and withstood the, the storm, withstood the trials, withstood the circumstances. But the house that was on the sand, when the winds and the waves came, it says, great was the fall of it. 
Now, he put this in perspective. He said, the man that built his house on a solid rock, on the firm foundation, the one that stood in the midst of the storm, was the man that heard the word of God and obeyed and did what he heard. But the man that built his house on the sand was the man that heard heard the word of God but did not do what he heard. Now, listen, the, the, the similarity is this. Both men heard what God was saying. It's not a miracle that we can hear God. It's not a miracle to hear God. The miracle is the the ability to to open your heart up and be humble and be yielded enough to do what he says to do. So these men both heard God, but only one of them made a conscious decision to be proactive and do something with the word that he heard. And today God is speaking to every man and to every woman wanting us to be proactive and get to a place where we'll do what we hear. We'll respond to God. Will you respond to God? Will you respond to God? You know, sometimes pain is necessary for us to understand the importance of obedience. It's sad, but it's true. When I was a child, I remember a time when my father tells me, don't touch the burner on the stove, it's hot. And for a while, my dad would go through the scenario and tell me, don't touch the burner on the stove, it's hot. And he'd tell me about two or three times, and then after that, he'd let me touch it. Now, you might think that's kind of cruel, that's not good, whatever. But you know what? Really soon, very soon, I learned not to touch the elements on a on an electric stove. Even if it wasn't glowing red, because of the uh, memory that I had of having my hand stuck to it and burning, I remembered not to touch the element on the electric stove. Now, what was the difference between my father telling me a few times And then I disobeyed, and and I went ahead and touched it. Now, I could have avoided the pain, could have avoided the heartache, had I listened to what he told me and not touched the stove. But me and my hard-headedness, I had to find out for myself the hard way. Now, I can tell you now, whenever I get around an electric stove, whether it looks like it's glowing red or not, I don't I don't stick my hand on the element because, see, that created a memory for me. And now when I think about it, I remember the pain that was associated with putting my hand on it. And see, with God, it's the same way. Sometimes he'll give us an instruction. Sometimes he'll tell us and he'll tell us and he'll tell us. But then at some point when he realizes that we're dull of hearing and we're hard-headed and we're going to do things our way anyway, He'll back off just a little bit and let us learn a few things. Sometimes he lets us experience pain because pain is necessary sometimes for us to understand the importance of obedience. You know, he wants to be our best friend. He wants to be our companion. God wants to be our mentor. God doesn't enjoy punishment. Sometimes we have to learn like that. 
sometimes it's necessary. Let me say this. Nobody succeeds in life that ignores God. God is God. Sometimes his instructions aren't taken seriously. Sometimes he's scorned, he's scoffed at, he's ignored. You'll never succeed ignoring God. Your only guaranteed success is to obey the will of God. Now, God is a holy God. God is a just God. God is also a jealous God. Exodus 20, verse 5 says, You shall bow down yourself to them and not serve them, for I, the Lord God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Exodus 20, verse 5. He's a jealous God. But obedience is the only proof in your life that you truly trust him. Remember I said earlier, his only pleasure is to be believed. His only pain is to be doubted. When we ignore God, it, it, it hurts him. But when we obey God and we trust God and believe God, he's pleasured by it. The only thing that God requires of man is that we obey. In fact, his voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit, is the only person, he's the only person that you're really, truly required to obey. Now, does that mean we're to ignore parental discretion? No. God says, honor your father and mother. Are we to ignore spousal instruction? No. God says, you know, he says some things in order. Okay, but ultimately, we're not to ignore, we're not to disobey the voice of the Holy Spirit. The only proof of your faith, the only proof that you trust him, the only proof that you love me, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And God wants us to obey him because it brings order and it produces good seasons of blessing. It rewards our life. He, he, he gives us rewards. Isaiah 119, and I'll say again, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And all of these blessings shall come on you and overtake you if you shall hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 28, verse 2. God offers rewards. God offers incentives to those that are obedient. Now, he shouldn't have to do it that way. I remember when I was training my Rottweiler, and I was trying to get my Rottweiler to sit, to lay, to beg, to roll over, all these different commands, all these different things, and at first, he wouldn't just listen to my voice. I had to coerce him into doing these things by giving him a treat. I had to pull out the treat. I could tell him to sit, and he'd just stand there and look at me with his tongue hanging out of his mouth. And when I whipped out that dog treat, I didn't even have to say sit. He would just sit because he wanted that treat. Now, eventually, I got him to the point where he would listen to what I had to say, whether he thought he was going to get a treat for sitting or for rolling over or whatever he did. I'm not really sure what was going on in his brain. But I eventually got him to a place where he could obey the sound of my voice and respond to my commands. 
And you see, with God, he does. He offers incentives. He offers rewards to us for our obedience. Maybe not every single time in that season, but I do believe that when we obey God and we obey his instructions, somewhere down the line, there's going to be a reward. There's going to be an incentive. There's going to be a blessing. God expects obedience. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Jesus said this in John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He expects it. Now, you're never going to receive an instruction from the Holy Spirit that contradicts the word of God. Because God's word is settled in heaven forever, Psalm 119.89. So God's never going to tell you anything that does not coincide with his word. It's not going to contradict his word, period. You know, God will allow adversity to come in to, to enable you to learn his laws. David says in Psalm 119.71, he said, it's good for me that I've been afflicted so I might learn your statutes. Unless the law had been my delight, I should have perished in my affliction. Psalm 119.92. God's word prevents disaster and destruction in our lives. And so there's a something to be said about obedience. There's also something to be said about disobedience. But I can tell you that disobedience, and I want to drill this into your brain, disobedience will cost you more than obedience. Disobedience will schedule a tragedy in your life because you chose to ignore God. God's looking for hearts that are fully his. God's looking for sons and daughters that won't be rebellious, but they'll be obedient. They'll hide his word in their hearts so they don't sin against them. That's what he's looking for. You know, God will destroy the a part. God will destroy part of something just to preserve the whole. He says, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out and cast it from you. It's profitable for thee that one of your members should perish and not the whole body should be cast into hell. If your right hand offends you, cut it off. For it is profitable that one of these members should perish and not the whole body should be cast into hell. Matthew 5, 29 and 30. Mercy is very important to God. Grace is just as important to him. His mercy is forgiveness from sin, but his grace is empowerment over sin. His mercy removes sin, but his grace gives you victory over sin. And his goal isn't really mercy or grace, it's relationship. When you ignore grace, relationship becomes impossible. The most important thing you're ever going to do today is obey his voice. Hourly obedience. He's looking for hourly obedience. Your joy depends on it. Your life depends on it. Your assignment depends on it, period. 
seasons in your life will change every every time you decide to use your faith and obey God. Listen, it's 11-11. We're going to go ahead and get a break for a song for a minute. Probably for a little while. And then I'll be back.
All right. Well, we're back. Just wanted to take a break there and worship a little bit, kind of keep our focus. You know, worship corrupts our focus. And, you know, I'm under the impression, as well as other men of God, women of God, that the only reason people fail is because they get broken focus. They get off track. They get sidetracked. And they don't keep that, you know, that goal or that idea or that instruction that God gives to them. You know, but the question you need to ask yourself is, you know, are the things you're doing in your life, are they are they good ideas? Are they good intentions? Are they actually God instructions? Are they instructions that the Lord has given you? Are they just some idea or, or intention that you decided to pursue for yourself? You know, there's nothing wrong with ideas. You know, these ideas, they're things that, God can allow to unlock your energy and, and bring change into your life. But there's God ideas and then there's good ideas. And instructions from God are a lot more powerful than any human idea you can ever imagine. You know, some ideas do have a divine origin. Some ideas really come from God. But other ideas are a demonic distraction. So we need to learn that we have to have obedience to divine commands. God gives us commands and he expects them to be obeyed. You know, ideas are optional. You have a choice to follow through with your idea or not. You have an option. But commands are not optional. Now, you can disobey them. But commands are not optional. Commands from God. You know, your imagination can produce all kinds of ideas and options, all kinds of alternatives. But when God speaks, His instructions are not to be ignored or altered or refuted. Sometimes you might even hear someone talk about a God idea, a God instruction. But if you study the scriptures carefully, there's no record anywhere. There's no place anywhere in the Word of God where God gives someone an idea. God gives instruction, and God gives commands. Now, an idea is not a command from God. You may have tons of wonderful, inspired ideas throughout your lifetime. And God might be involved with those things. God's going to give you a specific instruction or a command in your lifetime. You know, it needs to be emphasized how important it is not to ever attempt, do not attempt to achieve any dreams or goals that God did not instruct you to pursue. If God didn't tell you to do it, don't do it. You'll waste your energy, you'll waste your emotions. To waste your strength. You know, wrong goals, wrong dreams can become substitutes for the right goals and dreams. And the thing that's crazy is when when you pursue something that God does not intend for you to have, God is not obligated to sustain you. He's not obligated to provide for you. He's not obligated to heal you. He's not obligated to do anything for you emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially. 
anything you pursue by yourself or on your own without the command of the Holy Spirit or without God directing you, more than likely it's going to fail. I can tell you in my lifetime there's tons of projects, there's tons of things, there's tons of ideas that I've pursued, ran after. God did not put his hand upon them. God did not get involved in them. In fact, many times he had nothing to do with them. And those things exhausted me emotionally. They drained me physically. They ruined me financially. Messed me up spiritually. I can tell you, I, I wish I could go back and change a lot of those things. But those moments in my life when I waited for the Holy Spirit, when I waited for the voice of God, when I listened to God directly, those were the times when I actually succeeded or achieved something where it was a blessed season in my life. Why do we pursue wrong projects? Why do we go after wrong ideas? Why do we do wrong things? Why do we ignore God's instructions? Why? Sometimes people that are close to us can motivate us to do things that are not from the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it can be a person. It may be a minister in your life. It may be a family member in your life. It may be a friend in your life. It may be a spiritual person in your life. But if God doesn't instruct you to do something, don't do it. Why do we do these things? Sometimes we allow boredom. We get bored. So we let boredom come in and distract us. You know, maybe you're bored with doing things the same way. And you want to try something new. All of a sudden it ended in defeat. Listen. Wait on God. Listen to God. Seek God for his counsel. Seek God for his advice. The best way to resist boredom is go to the Holy Spirit and wait on him for instruction. Wait on the Holy Spirit for inspiration. Don't let your imagination go wild. Don't let your mind run. Don't take on these things yourself and schedule your own assignments because you'll end up scheduling a tragedy. Only attend those things that that the Holy Spirit, that the Word of God is leading you to do. Listen, God's divine provision, God's divine protection is only guaranteed at the place of obedience. God only gives provision and protection that He guarantees is in the place of obedience. And God will reconfirm things and reassure things. He'll give you inner peace to guide you into the right thing. But you've got to spend time in the secret place. You've got to spend time praying. Another reason we spend time attempting things that God didn't tell us to do is salesmanship. People sell us someone that's articulate, someone that's persuasive. Somebody convinces us. But something is the opportunity of a lifetime. 
And you'll never lack for opportunity in the kingdom of God. There's tons of opportunities in this universe. The difference is, is that you need to be able to discern and focus your attention and give your best to the opportunity that comes your way that God's involved in. How much influence has God had in your past decision-making in, in the last year of your life? The decisions you've made, how much influence has God had in it? How much time have you invested in the place of prayer regarding some of your decisions? Asking God what his thought is. You know, sometimes in the place of prayer, God can tell you things that are completely different than other people's advice. But if you're not in the secret place, if you're not in that place alone with God, you're not going to be able to recognize the difference. And people's good intentions can get you in a bad situation. You need God intentions, not good intentions. You need God instructions, God commandments. And not the commandments of men. Let's pray for us all.